Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash pro revenge video. Today, we've got some great revenge stories, and our first story of the day is from Witty Comfortable 404. Want me to entertain your kid after I said no? Got it. Background. I'm a mom. I have a seven-year-old boy, and I just went back to school last month. Right now, I need to study a lot, and I deal with a lot of guilt about not having as much time with my son. So, to kill two birds with one stone, I took my son to Science World this past weekend and brought my books to study while my son was exploring independently. After we spent two hours on exhibits together, my son was settled in on a sensory activity where we ended up playing for about an hour. This was exactly what I was hoping for. So I took a seat with an eye shot and pulled out my laptop and textbook and I started cramming. I was doing well in getting through content when this strange little spawn started scaling my leg and decided my laptop was perfect to play with. Big heck no from me. One, brand new laptop that cost half of my monthly rent. Two, strange germ factory on my lap during the tail end of a pandemic. Three, not my kid, not my darn job. Unfortunately, his mom was the kind that had no clue about social expectations and acted like her convenience trumps all. So when I asked her to remove the kid who was close enough to climb up into my uterus, she said, oh, it's okay. Yep, it's okay. See, I'm going to school for healthcare and the content I was studying was just the thing boys giggle about. So this three or four year old boy got a lesson on the lower digestive tract. He learned about the Bristol stool chart and a whole lot of terminology, which I made sure he knew before our goodbyes. About 15 minutes passed and I told him to go tell mommy what he learned. Now, anyone who knows kids knows that at this age, they have no volume control and are completely without shame, and they love fart talk. So what did this sweet boy freaking scream at his mom in this full-to-capacity quiet zone? Mom, I learned about poop and anuses. Did you know that an anus is a muscle and that you have one too? I'm quite certain they both learned something from that. Is anybody else surprised that in 2022, with an eye shot or not, woman or not, that this parent was willing to just let their kid go and sit up on somebody else's lap for 15-20 minutes? Or am I really just overthinking this? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. Our next story is from Mossy Topcat, Naked Revenge on Repeat Jehovah Witnesses Weekly Harassment at Home. I lived in New Zealand for a few years, and I was in a stressful job where if I wasn't on site, I was on call. So on my old day off a week, all I wanted to do was relax. But every weekend, without fail, the Jehovah Witnesses would knock on the door, and it was so hard to politely get rid of them. I raised my sons to be polite, and two of my sons lived with me, teenagers, so it was exhausting not knowing how to get rid of this weekly nuisance. Never fear though, one of my son's friends moved in with us, a great big strapping lad with full long red hair and a Scottish name starting with H and a surname starting with Mac. Now H was a full on big personality and I loved this kid. After hearing me bemoan the expected knock, he got up, stripped down to the full Monty and I presume full red below. At this point in time in shock, I had hands over my eyes answered the door in full swing motion and told the Jehovah's Witnesses we were now practicing nudists, and they were quite welcome to come, but they had to leave their clothes at the door. 
After that, we watched them knock next door, cross the road from my place, and then cross back over to my other side neighbor. I lived in that place for another two years and never had another visit. For the longest time, I used to live in places that were kind of off of the beaten path, a place where you probably don't expect a lot of foot traffic or like a Jehovah's Witness to really show up. Like to give you a good example, during my life when I was growing up where I lived during Halloween, there were no kids walking down my street or going to knock on your door. I had maybe one in like 10 years. But I'll tell you what, we had multiple Jehovah's Witnesses show up trying to talk to us about it. What's the best way to deal with them so they don't keep showing up? Does putting an actual sign on the door work? Or like a doormat or something? The one good thing about smart doorbells these days, at least you don't have to open the door and face them to turn them down. Our next story is from Patience for Jam Hands. Try to mansplain my son's illness to me? I'll get better grades than you. This happened about 8 years ago when I was an undergrad at my university. I was a young single mom and my toddler son was always sick. It turned out that he had asthma and always tended to develop bronchiolitis and had once developed pneumonia. One day, I was speaking with my friend about my son's most recent bout of bronchiolitis and this guy, a grad student in our undergrad class, I'd had him as a TA before, decides to join our conversation uninvited. Bronchiolitis isn't a thing, you know, it's bronchitis. Well, I was exhausted from being up constantly with a sick toddler, so I glared at him and said in my iciest voice, Bronchiolitis is an inflammation in the bronchioles, while bronchitis is in the bronchi. Please don't talk about things you obviously don't know about. But that isn't the revenge, of course. Our professors would give prizes to the top three test grades and the top overall grade. I've always been a good student, but I made sure to study harder and get a hundred or almost a hundred on every quiz or test. Each time, it was satisfying to see his face when he heard my name called. The most delicious was the end of the quarter. He never tried to speak to me again. Honestly, I can imagine this is really satisfying in OP's position. They don't have to go at bat for themselves to prove they're right. Their teacher, every single time, is going to address the whole class and tell them that OP most likely knows what they're talking about. Also, I appreciate that although OP could get really petty and go back and forth with this guy, they kept their mind focused on the more important things like doing well on the tests. Our next story is from Kate Arena 1996. My ex's girlfriend and I became friends. Here's the story. I dated this guy for only two to three months. It wasn't really serious and we were both going through turbulent times. We were both 18 at the time. When I decided to break up with him because I couldn't handle the emotional pressure, he was very emotionally dependent on me. He seemed to take it well and it was more like a mutual breakup, so I thought. Turns out he was sour about it and tried to trash talk me to my other friends and try to ruin a lot of my friendships, which didn't work out for him. He also tried to break me down at a party I invited him to because I wanted to be nice and try to mend things. At the time, I really hated loose ends and bad blood, so I'd always try to mediate. Fast forward a few months later, he started dating this girl. Now, when him and I were dating, I'd lent him a book I thought he'd enjoy, which was one of my favorites. I hadn't gotten it back yet, and when I tried asking for it back, his girlfriend mostly replied, being really protective and a little rude. I got her number and explained to her this whole situation and found out he lied to her and made me out to be this psychotic witch who wanted to steal him back, which explains why she was so defensive in the first place. She made a plan to get my book behind his back and we hung out and I finally got my book back and she dumped him. This was in 2015 and we're still friends. 
Years later, I bumped into him at a pub, and he gave me a pretty sincere apology. I took it and forgave him, and then never spoke to him again. It was just so nice gaining a new friend and getting my book back after months of trying. I know the saying that says, an enemy of my enemy is a friend, but I'm not sure if there's anything that relates to a friend of my enemy and what that means to you, but it seemed to work out pretty well here. Honestly, a guy like that that's a jerk, you and any other exes they have, you might be able to bond over just the experience of trying to be with that guy. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. That said, our next story is from Titan Odyssey. Do not come between me and my nails. I, 17-year-old male, still live with my extremely homophobic mother, 47-year-old female. I recently bought some press-on nails that I was going to wear for my best friend's homecoming dance. Well, long story short, my mother found out and took them away. I would have been fine if she had just made me take them back or something, but she chose to take a pair of scissors and cut up every single nail in the package. It really pissed me off because I paid for these with my own money from my job. I didn't think she had the right. I told her she owed me the money for them. Her response was, I don't know you anything because you're no better than to buy things that go against God. It was in that exact moment that I came up with my petty master plan. The day of homecoming, I took my mom's credit card and had my best friend pick me up early. We went to the store and I used my mom's card to buy another set of the exact same nails. I put them on and went to the dance. When I got home, I flaunted them in front of her and told her, we're even, and tossed her credit card back to her and then went to my room for the night. We haven't spoken of it since. Honestly, I think OP should have gone all the way and gone to a fancy place and had some kind of insane nails done. I mean, I guess unless you don't want to spend that much money. Our next story is from Jaff Giraffe. Spam faxes revenge. A few years ago, my office kept getting spam faxes for vacation deals. Sign up to take a cruise to Hawaii. I ignored them, but they kept sending. I don't like BS on my list of things to take care of every morning, so I wrote on one of their vacation faxes to ask to remove us from their list. Fun thing about faxes is there's usually a return number. They didn't. Call this number to win a week vacation to New Orleans. I wrote on that one, please remove office's fax number from your list and faxed it back. A few days later, we got another. I tried a few more times and they weren't getting the memo. So I got black construction paper and wrote in whiteout, please remove office's fax number. So when it printed on their end, it would print an all black page and use a ton of their ink. We didn't get faxes from them after that. Sometimes you gotta hit the annoying people right in the pocketbook. Lord knows black liquid gold is oil, and then the next peg down is printer ink. Our next story is from QADD33C7J8. Woo! My coworker refused to feed the clients animals, so I made her stay her whole shift. I work for a 24-hour business. Basically, for each client, one person works 12 hours. Then the other person comes in, the first one leaves, and I stay another 12 hours, rinse and repeat. Well, today, my regular day person was sick, so they called in a fill-in. We have to report things to the day person about the night shift. Well, my replacement showed up in a foul mood. I greeted her and started to explain the client. She cut me off and said, Can you come in an hour early for me tonight? I have a church thing. I looked at the clock, and it was 9 a.m. I'd have been there 13 hours, and I still had a 30-minute drive home. I told her that she would have to take that up with our boss. 
She said the boss said to ask me. I told her I couldn't because I'd already lost an hour of time and that would make me lose another. I have to sleep sometime. She said, please. I said, no, I can't lose that much sleep. Then she got the phone and started yelling, saying she shouldn't have said she'd fill in. I wasn't concerned because it's not my business. I told her the animals needed to be fed in a few hours. She said, I don't do animals. I said, what do you mean you don't do animals? She just repeated herself. I asked, so you're not going to feed them? I'm only asking because if you aren't, then I'll feed them before I leave. She snapped at me and told me to, ma'am, go home. I reiterated one more time that I was happy to feed them before I left. She yelled at me again, and I left. I called my boss and told her what happened. She said she would deal with it. I assumed they would let her go home and replace her. Well, I was wrong. She's still there, and now I'm not looking forward to relieving her tonight. I left work in my normal time, but because I was still upset, I didn't stop to eat like I normally do, so I'm about 30 minutes early. I thought of going in early, but instead I'm just sitting at a local coffee shop having a cuppa. I'm sorry, but you don't get to treat me like crap and expect me to turn around and do you a favor. If she had just left me alone, I 100% would have just gone in when I got there, but instead she had to be mean to not just me, but to the animals. No, you get to stay your full 12 hours. I'll be there at my regular time. Screw you, Karen. Also, yes, my boss made sure the animals were fed. Honestly, more than anything, I'm just kind of glad that the animals were fed and taken care of properly. I don't really understand how somebody can have this job and not do part of the job. I mean, I guess I don't know the dynamics, it just strikes me as odd. This next story is from Reddit Admin Dom87, how I screwed over a racist, horrible, bigoted business owner and likely resulted in him going out of business faster. This occurred in a southern state. I won't mention the state because, well, you'll see. I was an account manager for a digital marketing company. We sold lead generation services to business owners to generate leads. One of our key selling features was if you turned on call tracking numbers plus recorded phone calls, we'd guarantee you X amount of leads based upon Y spend. And if we failed to meet that, you'd be entitled to partial or, if we really failed, full refunds. Some things to know about advertising, CTN, call tracking number. It's a unique number that's assigned to a certain point of advertising that consumers call. This number is only on that piece of advertising. It routes to the business line and, unless the consumer is very observant, they have no idea they're using a CTN. Call recording. If you turn on CTNs, we can record the calls and store the audio on our servers. The business has to consent to this. Also, when you call, you'll hear a message, This call is recorded for quality assurance type messages. Both of those are required to be eligible for our service guarantee. Storytime Part 1, The Lay of the Land. The business in question was a small dad and son contracting company with a couple employees. They primarily focused on smaller jobs such as windows, drainage, finishing, etc. Unfortunately, this business owner was a royal pain in the butt. He went back years and his account was filled with nothing but complaints. Also, there was a strong suspicion that he was racist because his last account manager was black. The business owner, who we'll name Scott, refused to ever meet in person with the previous manager. Also, I was white. He had no issues finding time to sit down with me and tell me how crap our service is. Well, it's coming up to do contract renewal and he says we aren't producing his leads. And he wants to put in a claim for failing to meet our service guarantee. 
I spoke to my manager about this and he said he wants me to listen to his calls, write a detailed report, and present my findings to the manager. The manager is worried this may end up in court due to the dollar amounts involved. Nearly a whole working week of hours, I probably spent darn near 40 hours on this, and I wrote a detailed 24-page report outlining the results of our advertising. To say I shred this Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Business owner's business practices is an understatement. The report was a straight-up attack on his poor customer service skills, disorganization, inability to execute, and complete and total failure of anything resembling any sense of standard business practices that just make logical sense. I'll share with you a few examples of the type of calls I listened to. Small calls where multiple phone calls are truly epic in their total incompetence. Customer 1. It was a small-time landlord who had three different properties that had received a quote from Scott for work. The landlord had accepted Scott's quote and agreed to do business. In one voicemail message, they offered to pay a deposit to start work. Throughout four voicemail messages, this poor landlord went from, Hey, I want to pay you, to, Are you okay? To, Why the freak aren't you returning my calls? Yes, I said voicemails. Scott had gone out to this man's properties, quoted his pricing, and then straight up refused to do anything more. Why? I legit got no idea. I called the customer in question and said I was the quality assurance agency and was doing a survey on Scott's performance. The guy ended up paying Scott's competitor about 15% more to do the work and was utterly beside himself on why Scott ignored him. I was also confused. FYI, all of my calls were recorded and put into the company records. 
Customer 2, this one in particular really pissed me off. Again, the public housing office called Scott to get a quote on work that involved 25 different homes. Scott was kind enough to answer the phone this time, which ironically was one of the few freaking times he ever answered the phone. Initially, Scott sounded happy to get such a big, profitable job. Then Scott learned two things. It was Section 8 housing, and it was a neighborhood that was black and Hispanic. Immediately upon learning this, Scott informed the housing office that, unfortunately, he's super booked. Not true, and that this area is actually out of his service area, Not true. The housing office was confused and was like, so you're not interested in bidding? And Scott said, no, I'm not, and hung up. He didn't even say goodbye. So I did a quality assurance call to the housing office, and the lady was completely confused why Scott wasn't even remotely interested in the job. Luckily for Scott, the lady didn't connect that Scott was a racist runt because discrimination against a protected class is a crime. Customer 3 It was an overseas phone number from Japan. A service member stayed up late to call Scott during his business hours. This person told Scott he was deployed overseas. Still, over the weekend, someone broke into his home back in the States, where Scott operated out of. He was trying to arrange for a new door. He mentioned this was an emergency as his wife was being forced to stay at a hotel. Scott never returned his calls, nor made any effort to contact him on the email he provided nor called the wife, it was a super easy job that Scott could have done in about an hour or so and made a solid profit. I think that's enough examples. Part 2. Review and Plan The actual report at the end said out of the X phone calls, Scott failed to properly service the leads in about 70% of the cases and that I could keep going on. Still, I felt an X number, I felt a clear trend had been established. It wasn't that our service wasn't producing leads for Scott, it was that Scott was a racist, bigoted runt who everyone freaking hated. Obviously, I said that in a more professional language. When I presented the report to my manager, he looked at it and went, dang, 24 pages. I asked if it was fine and he smiled and said, I got a pretty good idea of what this is going to say. He said he'd review it and get back to me. So a day later, he came to me and said he'd gone over the report. The VP had gone over the report, and he asked what I thought the recommended course of action should be. My recommendation? Remove all discounts, charge Scott total price for our services, and clearly explain our job is to provide him with leads. It's his job to sell those leads. If he can't convert our leads into business, that's not our problem. Scott was getting a 70% discount. Our price was built with discounts in mind. My manager was like, you'll probably cancel. And I asked my manager, and is that a problem? If Scott was going to remain my client, he was going to pay dearly for that privilege. If he wasn't willing to pay, I was happy to let him walk. My manager smiled and said, nope. Part 3. The Meeting My manager and I called Scott and arranged a meeting. I created a PowerPoint summarizing my findings. About one third of the way, Scott gives in and tells me to get to the point. I knew this was going to be a heated meeting, so I wanted my manager present both as support and as a witness. So I explained that it's our job to bring him leads, it's his job to sell them. His failure to do that is not our problem. He gets irritable and pissy and my manager backs me up. He goes, fine, I'll renew my contract at the same rate. To which I go, yeah, you see, you didn't let me get to that part. 
we have a new pricing for you. Scott goes, lower? I go, oh no, not lower. My manager smirked. Scott asked me for the new rate. I hit him at the full rate, which was three times what he was paying. Scott is furious with me, says I'm overcharging him, says I'm ripping him off, says I'm a horrible salesperson. He tells my manager I should be fired for treating him like this. My manager looks at me, and I'd been waiting for the moment. Truth be told, I gave zero freaks what Scott thought of me. If anything, my goal was to get him to cancel. Scott, you're a challenging client. Therefore, the pricing of our service needs to reflect the challenge of providing you service. So we will be charging you our full rate. If you'd like, I'd be happy to go over why this ROI still makes sense based upon our past performance. This wording I had gone over with my management before using it. My manager felt it was fine. It felt so amazing to say those words. It was the nicest way I could say, you're a runt. If I'm going to work with you, it's got to be worth my while. Scott says we're a bunch of greedy freaking jerks. He says, I'm going to cancel. To which I said, that is an outcome we've decided is acceptable if that's what you choose to do. Scott huffs and goes, and what about my refund? Dismayed, I go, Scott, we've clearly demonstrated we did our part. The reason why you aren't bringing in sales is because of your company's inability to close on the leads we generate. To which Scott goes, so you're saying I don't know what I'm doing? To which I say, Scott, if you agree to sign at the new rate, I'd be happy to sit down with you and help you free of charge on how to improve your sales techniques and close more of your leads. This is me telling him he doesn't know how to run his business and was very much meant as an insult. Scott goes, nah, screw you, I'm calling my lawyer. I go, so I take it you're not going to renew? He goes, freak no. My manager goes, that's fine. Would you like us to email you our report on your leads? Scott goes, sure, I'll show my lawyer. FYI, we never heard from Scott's lawyer. We wish Scott a good day and he leaves. Later, we wrote him an email, attached the report, and also told him if his lawyer would like the recording in question, we can send that file over as well. Our bases were covered, and we knew it. I suspect that he also came to the same realization, but he had too much pride to admit that. Part 4. Make sure that dagger is nice and deep. A few weeks ago, my manager says we gotta shut down his account. So I need to call him back and ask him what he wants to do with his CTN numbers, which we control. In our contract, we say at the end of the agreement, the customer has the right to have the numbers ported over for a fee. It would have been normal to waive the fee as a gesture of goodwill, but Scott desired zero goodwill, and he received what he desired. I tell my manager there's no way I'm porting the numbers for free, and just like his quote, I'm charging him full rate, $15 a number. The total came out to be a bit over $100. So I call Scott, I get his voicemail, but he doesn't answer. I write him a registered letter, and in that letter I outlined he has 30 days to respond. We have his CTNs, and if he's willing to pay $15 per number port fee, we will transfer those numbers over to his phone provider. One morning I woke up to about a dozen hateful text messages in which Scott told me to go freaking burn in heck. I took that to mean that Scott was not interested in porting over his numbers, and I reviewed those texts with my manager. We saved those messages and uploaded it to his account. So, is that all? Of course not. Part 5, but wait, there's more. So here I was with 7 CTN numbers that had been in service for literally years. Those 7 numbers were saved in Scott's customers' phones, and to many of Scott's customers, 
Those numbers were Scott's number. Obviously, they wouldn't be advertised to anyone, but that doesn't mean that they won't produce phone calls. Now, if I just let the numbers die, the customers will call and simply be told, this number is no longer in service. Now, I'm not entirely sure if what I did was legal, but it's been quite a few years, so I feel comfortable about introducing you to Bobby. Bobby was another southern boy, but as much of a jerk that Scott was, Bobby was a sweetheart. His mama would bake me pies for our meetings. He was a complete joy to work with. Bobby also owned a similar business to Scotty, but Bobby's business was more advanced, did more types of jobs, and also serviced the same area. So I submitted a service request to port all of Scott's seven CTNs to Bobby's account, and I waived the fee. So all of a sudden, hundreds of Scott's customers would think they're calling Scott, but they'd get Bobby. Bobby had all his calls routed to his secretary, Ashley, who was an angel. Ashley was also a wickedly talented saleswoman, and I know for a fact that she'd be able to take Scott's clients and convert them for Bobby. So that's what I did. I had those seven CTNs ported over to Bobby. This did a few things that benefited nearly everyone involved. Bobby got more business. I produced more leads for Bobby, which means Bobby was comfortable with spending more money with me, which meant I made more money. And Scott's old customers got better service. Part 6. Capitalize on my revenge. At the next performance meeting with Bobby, Bobby was very pleased with the sudden uptick in new customers. He even asked me, what did you do to my account? I smiled and said, I reviewed your account and made a few tweaks. Have you seen any improvement? He absolutely did. He asked me, did this cost anything extra? I go, nope. He ended up increasing our spend with us by about 40% on additional services. I googled Scott's business about a year later. He wasn't in business anymore. Wonder why? No, my company never caught on to me porting over the numbers. I strongly suspect our legal department would not have been pleased. All I know is, is this dude clearly didn't know how to run a business. There's no remorse over a person like this losing their job. I mean, honestly, it was probably better for Scott to go out of business before they could ever get themselves a lawsuit. Because clearly, there was discrimination going on. And our final story of the day is from the Dragon System. Pay your tattoo artists. This happened when I was young. Heard it secondhand from my grandmother who the main character of the cast lived with at the time. My uncle's ex-girlfriend was an all-around horrible person abusive babysitter, got my uncle into bad crowds and legal trouble, and dabbled in so many substances from A to Z. She was also heavily tatted. There was an artist, the star of the story, who was a family friend. Great dude, insane work. She asked him to do a piece for her. Huge, intricate angel wings, oh the irony, across her back. He agrees. It takes several sessions across weeks. She repeatedly has to postpone payment, but he's chill, family friend, yada yada, until it comes to the last session, when it slips that she still doesn't have the money, and more importantly, won't have the money, like, ever. Now the pro-revenge. No collection agency, no refusal to continue. He smiles, waves it off, says he'll finish up. No charge. It's gonna be a great piece, legendary, one for the history books he guarantees. She's stoked. So, right between those gorgeous wings, right up her spine, this idiot now has a massive, veiny male appendage proudly standing at attention up her spine. She saw it in the mirror when he finished, and she was livid. But hey, what's she gonna do? 
She didn't pay him and wasn't going to pay him and expected hours and hours of work. You give a lot of trust to someone when they take a needle to your skin to lay down something permanent. Don't stiff your artists. Yeah, apparently don't stiff your artists or your artists will stiff you. I'm assuming what this guy did as far as the you know what on her back is probably done in a way that if they paid, it would be covered up as part of the normal design anyways. At least I would certainly hope so because, I don't know, there might be some legal issues at hand here, but I mean, it's not like she could afford a lawsuit. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the one on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.